ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Dr. Barry Babin. He's the Morris Lewis Professor and Chair of Marketing at Ole Miss Business School. Barry's expertise centers on research methodologies aimed at leveraging customer experience into value. Our conversation today focuses on research he's conducted into the efficacy of brand placement. Barry, thank you so much for joining us today. Good to be here. When I read even just the abstract for the article, The Effectiveness of Brand Placements, I knew I had to interview you. Brand placement and entertainment is so important to the ecosystem. But I realized that I hadn't ever really read anything around its efficacy. And I think that practitioners really need to understand how brand placement works so that they can manage their expectations and also think about their spend. So first, before we dive into the nitty gritty, I'd like to have you clarify a few things because practitioners aren't often researchers. And so I want everyone to have an understanding of the terms and underpinnings of our conversation so that everyone's on the same page. You were looking at the effect of brand placement on brand placement memory. How was that defined? Brand placement memory is exactly what it says. You saw or heard a brand being placed within the vehicle. So in the James Bond movie, if you saw the Heineken in a scene and remembered Heineken in the scene, then that would be brand placement memory. And, and you also looked at brand salience, and how was that defined? Salience is something that's quite different. It has to do with awareness of the brand. So independent of whether you saw a placement or remembered a placement or not, uh, after you'd been exposed to a brand placement, you could come in and ask, what are the t- top brands of beer? Or what are the first brands of beer that come to your mind? And then if Heineken appeared first, we could compare that to some base control to see if it could improve the salience or awareness of a certain brand. Mm-hmm. Right. So it doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily know I'm thinking Heineken because I saw it in the movie. I'm thinking Heineken just because I'm thinking it, even if that was the mechanics that were going back in the background, right? That's right. And some of these studies would have done a before and after. Okay. So they might've checked the awareness of Heineken, the awareness before and after placement to see if it increased. And you looked at consumer attitude and was that on a particular scale or time bound in any way? Well, here the trick with meta-analysis or the computation is that you kind of accept the operationalizations that the various authors have used in the other studies. Best to think of attitudes here very generally as favorableness or liking of a brand relative to other brands. And the same would be true of consumer purchase intention, right? Because you're dealing with a a meta-analysis approach, which we probably should define what that is for people who aren't aware. So what is a meta-analysis approach? It's a study of studies. Uh, So what we do is we go and find uh, as many empirical studies about brand placement as we can, and we take an average of the effects across all of those studies, you end up looking at the effect of brand placement across thousands of subjects in slightly different study contexts. And I can say, too, one of the uh, complications with the brand analysis 
in looking at behavior. Here, we, we ended up using the term behavioral intention. Mm. These studies, they actually had um, people choose a brand. So oh. at the end of the study, they might present them with, with five beers. And Heineken was the one placed. And then that dependent variable would be, did they choose Heineken I see. or not? So we kind of, you end up having to combine some things that are, or it's not apples and oranges, it's just different types of apples, really. It's still some type of, of be, actual behavior like choice. And then intention is just an expression of favorable. I, I would intend to buy Heineken right. or the other brands. Meta-analysis approach is different from a literature review. And it's sort of a significant difference, right? Correct, because we're bringing in the quantitative synthesis. Uh, literature review without the quantitative uh, aspect is still an attempt to synthesize a large body of literature to identify the key findings and, and the key gaps, perhaps, and things that need to be studied. And then when you bring in the meta-analysis, it's, it's looking at the quantitative effect sizes overall of those studies so that you can come back and give a practitioner a range of expectations that if you executed a brand placement, then this is the range of effects that you could expect to find. Right. Of course, the meta-analysis uh, has a rich uh, background in the medical industry where you can cl clearly see the relevance uh, you know, with COVID, for example, of what are the effects of COVID treatments over a large number of studies rather than looking at one individual study. So we've set the stage and now let's dive into brand placement and brand memory. And when I think about brand placement, I think about ET and the Reese's pieces to entice ET to connect with the children. And I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but I always heard that they had reached out to M&Ms first, but nobody had gotten back to them. So they went with Reese's pieces. What I do know is that that candy was put on the map for me as a kid, a study of one, as a result of that film. So does brand placement create a memory for consumers who see the entertainment content? Is it something that works? Well, that in essence is the question we, we sought to answer. Does brand placement work? And it's based upon the academic studies that are published on brand placement. So the, the trick in trying to study this in, for academicians is trying to create a realistic setting. Mm. And what you had with E.T. and Reese's Pieces would be hard to duplicate in an academic setting. Right. Uh, that was a huge success for Reese's Pieces. No question about it. With E.T., you had a lot of publicity uh, surrounding the movie and a lot of, of more moving parts than we typically see in academic studies. But I think we can learn a lot from it in comparing it to the ways that uh, scientists are studying the problems in their labs. There really are very few field studies in our meta-analysis. Right. So this is the thing we, we sought to, to determine, or you sought to determine. And you did find that the scientific studies, when you looked at them, did find that consumers who were exposed to the brand placement in the entertainment content did, did remember it. It correct uh, that the biggest finding across all the studies and the, and the only large effect size that we see is that subjects exposed to a brand placement remember the brand placement more than subjects who haven't been exposed to it, which is 
kind of an obvious finding when you think about it. But the fact that it's the only large effect size that we find, to me, is the most interesting part of the study. Well, right. And then going back to when we defined our terms, they remembered that it was in the film that was the large effect, but they didn't necessarily pick it first. That would be salience, right? Correct. So that's a kind of a, you know, it's significant that, yeah, they remembered it in the film, but they didn't necessarily have it top of mind and it didn't necessarily create these attitudes. Um, But let's let's back up a little bit. Plot mattered, right? Whether or not the brand placement was related to the plot, like if we're talking E.T., the Reese's Pieces were integral to the plot. Whereas if we were talking about, you know, House of Cards and, and maybe she goes to the fridge and takes out a Fiji water, that's not really plot connected. I mean, that's just incidental. That's correct. Oftentimes you'll see the brand placement integrated into the plot somehow. And in those cases, we observe larger effect sizes across all the outcomes uh, compared to the brand placements that are not plot integrated. Mm -hmm. Now that's potentially interesting too, because there are different theoretical ways you could look at the way a brand placement would work. Right. But when a James Bond character drives a certain car, is that integrating it into the plot or are they just using it? If you think about James Bond movies, usually the car is, is, plays a pretty prominent role. Okay. You know, back to the early Aston Martins in the early James Bond films and the gadgets that went along with the car. And, and so it's a pretty prominent part of the story. Now, of course, you could increase that even more and, and um, have, have something that is in a larger portion of the movie. So the, the car might be, uh, say, in, in 15 minutes of the movie, or there might be some other aspects that could be in the movie for an even longer period of time, 30 minutes or three, mm-hmm. or it would be even more integral to the plot in that case. I see. Now, going back, though, if we're saying that what had the large effect was brand placement memory, but that if it's connected to the plot, that increases the effect. Did it increase it sufficiently to make it more? Did it, if it was connected to the plot, did that make brand salience pop in a way that it hadn't before? Did it make it a significant thing, a difference if it was connected to the plot? There's the question of statistical significance and then then practical significance. But let's talk practical. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be practical. I would say if, if the answer is statistically significant, yes. Okay. I would throw some caution on the practical significance only because there are not that many studies that we could look at in hmm. meta-analysis that manipulated uh, plot integration high versus plot integration low. And so I, I put some caveat on that. Right. Well, in the paper, you also note that text-based vehicles tend to display lower effect sizes than audiovisual vehicles. And that struck me as really important because a lot of digital publishers create branded content. And so does branded content in a text form, does that work? Did that have an effect, a practical significant effect or not really? Yeah. And I think I I throw the same caution on that too. While based on the studies that we find, the the text-based vehicle doesn't seem to work as well. Mm. It's it's based on a relatively small number of text-based media vehicles. And that's that's not because they're not used, but it's because researchers haven't studied that as much. I see. Okay. Researchers have, have concentrated 
uh, largely on, on movie clips mm-hmm. and video clips. And that's where most of the attention is. Likewise, there are some other media, media vehicles like video games that there are just very few studies on. Right. And that's a big play. People are leaning into that. Yay, researchers, let's look at some video games. That would uh-huh. be an interesting thing to do. Or, or children, just studies with children. Ah, uh, right. Because of all the permission. So, um, so we only were able to include in our meta-analysis four or five studies that involve people less than 18 years of age. Hmm. One of the things also that you did look at was product placement disclosure, which I think has more relevance for Europe than the U.S. Is that fair? Yeah. And the concern is that if you disclose that you're placing the product, that it dings it in some way. That's the practitioner's concern. Yeah. The EU in general has adopted a disclosure policy where there's more or less a warning label on movies and on anything that would have potential for brand placements. And this asks the question of whether disclosure would somehow, quote, protect consumers from brand placements. <laughs> Across the studies, disclosure will increase brand placement memory a little bit, making the brand placements more prominent, but doesn't have any effect on attitudes or, or on behavioral intentions. Right. Well, that's interesting. I mean, maybe this need for regulation or a need for a warning label that might not really have the desired effect uh, of the policymakers that create it. Right, because simply being aware that you're being sold to doesn't necessarily stop the selling from working. Yeah. You know, humans being human and everything. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really interesting was if a brand was well known prior to being placed versus less well-known, that the effect of the brand placement, that that a less well-known brand could get a bigger bang for their buck almost. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, you are. Yeah. So then in our Reese's Pieces example, could it be that if it had been M&Ms, it wouldn't have impacted me as much as a kit? Very good. Yeah, I think that that's reasonable to draw that conclusion because uh, if you think about a brand like Coca-Cola, well, your attitude and your behavioral intentions, inclinations toward that brand are pretty well established now so that any one promotional appeal is not likely to have a great effect on that. Right. There's a brand that's unknown is malleable and it's subject more to change based upon some promotional appeal, including a brand placement. Right. That's interesting. So also... Um... Brand placement, how it related to brand salience. And you found something a bit different than what you expected when you were reviewing everything. What had you expected and then what had you found? Yeah, well, if we would use the the most common theoretical approach, some hierarchy of effects approach, it would postulate that you first have to have memory for the brand placement before you could see an effect on, on salience. There should be a relationship between brand placement memory and salience, and then a relationship also between brand placement memory and attitude. And so that the better the memory is, the better the salience, the better the attitude, and the more likely that brand would be select. That chain of events kind of falls apart after brand placement memory. The effects are not strong. Uh, Wrong from brand placement memory to attitudes to salience attitudes or intentions, then it's in fact in some cases even a negative relationship. That if, if someone would remember the brand placement, their attitude for the brand got a little bit worse. 
Uh, in that case, it, it might be seen as interfering with the enjoyment of the media. Hmm. And so the positive outcomes for a brand from brand placement memory are working through some mechanism other than the hierarchy of the effects model. Huh. Well, it's interesting because I even recently, I think it was European football, the players were told that they're going to be fined if they move their <laughs> out of out of the shot. And I just thought, wow. So, and that made news, you know, so talk about your disclosure, right? It's very clear that the soda is sponsoring the um, conversation and that they're actually going to punish the players if they don't leave the, the brand placement alone. And is that a good thing? I guess what's interesting is on your, your research around whether disclosure has an impact, maybe it won't really affect people that they'll still be being, seeing the messaging of that brand and and their sport. Um, so if, if we're thinking practitioners and really their their money question, so brand placement, because sure, they want people to remember the brand, but they really want them to, to ultimately, they want them to buy buy the brand, right? They want it to, to, to work in terms of increasing sales. And so when you said the effect was small or not large, is it worth doing? Do you think that it is an effective way to, to drive sales? Or is it really just you're going to get awareness? That's it. Don't think about your sales. I think based on, on what we've seen, uh, I would say it can work. Uh, but it's, it's complicated. And, and in fact, um, if I could go speculate just a little bit beyond the results of our meta-analysis. I think that it's going to work best as part of a larger promotional strategy. Mm -hmm. You have uh, some kind of huge campaign about a brand or brand introduction. It's going to be a new brand. And you end up backing up the brand placement with a lot of other promotional efforts in social media, in conventional advertising, and if you support it all as a, as a piece of the puzzle, the brand placement can be very effective. A brand placement alone, because if you think about even in ET as, as an example, there was a tremendous amount of publicity that supported what was going on. And, and of course, then the Reese's right. pieces, uh, ET made its way into Reese's pieces advertising too. And so it was just one part of the puzzle. And, and I think under those circumstances, it could work. I also say that part of our meta-analysis, part of the findings too, is a little bit critical of the research that's going on, not picking on any of the individual researchers, but it illustrates how it sometimes the academic literature gets to be very fractionated and looking at really small questions about the bigger piece of the puzzle, which is brand placement. Mm. And then when you try to uh, put it all together and, and draw some summary conclusion uh, from it, uh, the, the picture can be a little bit cloudy. Right. Uh, and so I think that some of the calls that we make are, are for improvements into the research and the research methods that people are using to study brand placement. And also related topics, like you, you mentioned sponsorship. So the sports sponsorship, which is in the umbrella of covert marketing, where it's not an overt attempt to sell. Right. In that case, in the sponsorships, these press conferences with athletes and 
And sometimes you'll see someone's hand reach up and put the bottle there. And that's because it's contractual at that point. They have it there right? Uh, based on, on some contractual arrangement. And, and I think sponsorship, it, it does fall somewhat in the same, uh, under the same umbrella, kind of attempts to appeal that are not necessarily overt. Right. Well, I think, and that's, that's where you get, you know, I, I think brand placement, especially as we're moving away from an advertising supported entertainment ecosystem with streaming mm-hmm. placement becomes more and more important, you know, in, in the entertainment that people are consuming, if they're binging, you know, what are they seeing? What are some of the products? And you can do those secondary campaign tie-ins uh, as you, as you noted, um, one of the things you also found was that high involvement product categories performed differently from low involvement product categories. What would what does that mean, and what would be an example of that? Um, so you could almost think of expensive as as another way of looking at that. The high involvement are typically things that have a high cost in terms of the price, and also the amount of effort it takes to make a decision. Okay. So things like automobiles, we would typically say are high involvement and things like candy or, or low involvement. Okay. And, and uh, the, the, we did see some evidence of, of better attitude for high involvement placements relative to involvement placements. Hmm. Well, I suppose that you're also then you're getting aspirational things, you know, luxury items, um, luxury cars, and in those high ticket items, which then you can have, you know, the star of your show is is dressing in this outfit and, and you want to be like the star of the show. True. And, and you do see brands um, that are involved in luxury goods, sometimes using product placement. Being connected to the plot was an amplifier for the effect. If given how these things seem to, the, given the limitations of the studies and how things seem to be shaking out, if you were making the investment in product placement, how important is it for you to really fight for that plot connection? Is it is it um, practically significant in that if you're going to spend the money, you want to make sure it's somehow integrated into the plot, or else it really isn't going to have as much impact. Based based on the meta analysis, I would say yes, you you would want to make sure that you had a high plot integration, that it would be worth spending the extra money if you had to invest in that. I think, yes, I, I would argue in favor of making sure you had a highly plot integrated brand placement. I think that's an important thing to think about because then if you're if you're making decisions whether to spend or not spend, and the placement is one that is is incidental, you know, it's in the background, it's 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 just on a table. You may decide that maybe it isn't worth the spend. Is that a fair read of what you saw from the analysis? Yeah, and of course, the whoever's going to be involved in these decisions is going to have to consider the potential uh, financial benefits versus the cost of the execution uh, it, to make that decision. But it does seem that, just in terms of attitude, that the potential outcome is, is several times greater with a plot highly plot integrated brand placement than a low plot integrated brand placement. Right. And so especially if we if we combine that with the high involvement, low involvement. So if I've got bottled water, not a particularly high involvement product, and it's not going to be integrated into the plot, it's just going to be sitting on a table. 
you know, what am I going to get out of it? What can I expect to get out of it? What am I going to be selling into, you know, what's the ROI on what I'm doing here? Um, I think this is really so interesting and really, I, I would love to see more. I'd love to see more about, especially the, in, the gaming, the purchasing, the placement in games. I think that that's really a, a frontier. I would love to see more about well, thank you so much for sharing um, conversation with me. I found it really, really interesting, and I'm sure everybody will find it very valuable to what they do. So thank you for your time. Well, uh, we really appreciate chance to talk about the research, and we hope you find it useful, and we hope the audience finds it useful. We reached the end of another episode of Up Next, and I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.